0: we'll be in John chapter eight to start this this morning, John and Chapter eight. So we've been going through our series on one and looking at one thing or one person or, or one instance that will make a difference. Today, I'd like us to look at the topic of one freedom, uh, one freedom uh, that we have. And we're going to jump. Uh, use John eight as our diving board this morning. We're going to be looking at really three main passages this morning, uh, but we'll start here in John chapter eight. And let's read starting in verse thirty-one. The Bible says, "Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If we continue, if ye continue in My word, then are ye My disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." I think next week we're going to look at one truth. And come back to this verse, but uh, today I want us to focus in on as Christ says here that you can you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I want to look at that freedom this morning that we have in Christ and looking at that one uh, freedom that we have. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look into your word. I pray that uh, uh, your word would be real to us today, Lord, that it would um, touch us, that it would uh, uh, help us in areas that we need help in. Lord, may it encourage us and may it challenge us. I pray that as I present these verses, Lord, that I would do it clearly and correctly. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. When we talk about freedom uh, that God gives us, I think immediately we can we can jump immediately to some topics already, but there is a discussion uh, that goes on oftentimes within Christians, is, is what am I free to do? Uh, James touched on it this morning in men's Sunday school, uh, which most of you were not in, and so, uh, so it doesn't help you out a whole lot, I guess, does it? But uh, about uh, uh, the argument sometimes of, well, um, if I'm saved, then what does it matter? Can I, can I just do anything I want? And, uh, and then there's the other argument of because I'm saved, I can't do anything. Uh, and that's not the way it works. We do have freedom. I want us to look at uh, three things this morning uh, that we have freedom uh, either from or to. Number one, we have freedom from sin. It's, it's one of the, the greatest things that uh, God has done for us. Uh, I would like for you to turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And I, I, I like these verses when it talks about freedom from sin. Romans 6, starting in verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. At salvation, we are no longer the servants of flesh. We're no longer the servants of the world. We're no longer servants of sin. But we are now, as the Bible puts it, servants unto righteousness or servants of God. Uh, sin no longer controls us when we are saved. Before salvation, we live a life that is for self. We live a life that is uh, 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 according to the, the world's standards for our life. And we do what makes us happy. We do what, uh, what we want to Uh, But after salvation, now being a child of God, we are obedient to God, or we are to be obedient to God, and follow Him and serve Him. But with this uh, salvation comes a freedom from sin. I no longer have to sin. Uh, You know, we say, well, I've been saved. I've been saved for a very long time, yet I've still sinned many times in my life. Well, yes, I have, but that doesn't doesn't mean that I wasn't free to not do so. <laughs> I didn't have to sin. It didn't have to be a part of my life. I was free now because of God's help and because of God's righteousness and because of God's power. I was free to no longer sin. Sin no longer controlled me, but the things of God did. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says in verse 56, the sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over that sin. Victory over that, that death that comes because of sin. We are free to no longer sin. We're going to come back to those verses in our next point. So we'll, we'll leave it at that for now there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. This verse tells us there is no longer an excuse for us to sin. God says that uh, you are going to be tempted, but with the temptations that you have to sin, God will give you an escape from that temptation. So the person who says, well, there was just no way around it. If they're saved, that's not true. It's an excuse and excuses are unnecessary. They don't matter. We all have excuses, don't we? Uh, I don't know why, but I was thinking of this. Um, uh, about As a pastor, you, just, you can't miss church. right? Uh, you, can't, you can't miss church. You can't wake up in the morning and go, I'm tired. Uh, it's been a rough week. I think I'm just going to stay home today. Um, you can't do it. Uh, when you're not a pastor, oftentimes the excuses that we use to not go to church... If we were to be honest with ourselves, we wouldn't accept that excuse from our pastor. And I find it that now as I'm a pastor, uh, uh, I I look at it differently than before I was a pastor, right? Before I was a pastor, I had the same excuses. Uh, You know, I think... What's that? Yeah, it's a sniffle. No, I probably can't go to church today. Uh, You know, uh, oh, I woke up late. It was only five minutes late, but I woke up late, and so, well, I guess I can't go to church today. Uh, You know, there's all kinds of different excuses that we come up for why we can't get to church. You know, but if we were to ask our pastor, if our pastor didn't show up on Sunday, just just didn't show up, hey, where's the pastor at? I don't know. Somebody call him. Pastor, where are you? Oh, I woke up late today. I'm not going to be able to make it. (laughs) Well, what are we supposed to do? I don't know. Whatever you want, you wouldn't accept that. That wouldn't. That would be unacceptable. Uh, it shouldn't be. You know, when it comes to sin, and we can argue whether or not a, not attending church is a sin. If you'd like to, we can do that another day. But the the point is, uh, we oftentimes come up with excuses for why we sin instead of just admitting the fact that we sin. And God says, you don't have to sin anymore. You have freedom. From that sin. We're no longer the servants of the flesh and the servants of the world because now we are saved by God's grace and now we have this freedom from sin. I don't have to sin anymore. I have the freedom to no longer lose my temper. I have the freedom to no longer be selfish. I have the freedom no longer uh, to to fall into this sin that I fell into in, in the past. I'm free from that sin. I no longer have to do it. And there's no temptation that I receive that God did not receive, that Christ did not receive. There's no temptation that comes into my life that God does not have the power to beat. I am free from sin. It's a wonderful thought because oftentimes we get chained down by our sins. We get handcuffed by it, tied down to where it controls our life, the shame of our past sin. The struggle of our current sin. We live our lives in in light of that sin instead of in light of the freedom that we had to no longer do that sin. And God says you're free from that. You don't have to be shackled by that anymore. You can live the way that you're supposed to live. You're now servants of righteousness. Sadly, many of us don't live our lives free from sin, although God has offered us That freedom that we have. We have no excuse to sin because we are free from it. Let's go to number two. Number two is we have freedom from traditions. Freedom from traditions. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, 5. We're going to look at a number of verses on this point. But 1 Corinthians 15, excuse me. I've read the verses already, but I'd like you to see them. 1 Corinthians 15. Look in verse 56 towards the end of the chapter. It says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The law here being referred to in 1 Corinthians, I believe has to do with the the traditions of the time. The Jewish, especially religious traditions of you have to do this and you have to do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. And it says in verse 56 that the strength of sin is the law. That being tied to, I have to do this. if If I mess up here, then it's over. I've ruined everything. I have to do this, and I have to do this, and here's my list of things I have to do. It says the strength of sin is within that law. And oftentimes we get so caught in keeping the law, so to say, that our actions may be right, but our heart is not. And that's where the strength of sin is, is where we, we've tricked ourselves or Satan has fooled us and deceived us into thinking, well, because I'm doing right, I am right. And now the power of that action has overtaken the necessity from my heart being where it's supposed to be. And God has given us not only freedom from sin, but He's given us freedom from tradition. In Colossians 2.8, the Bible says, beware Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. The church here that's being written to in Colossians is being warned of two things. Philosophy that's coming from the Grecians during this time. Wrong philosophies that are coming in and being introduced to the church. They're being warned about that. But they're also being warned about the Jewish traditions. The traditions that were brought in, that you can't eat this, and you can't do this on this day, and you can't walk this many steps, and those kinds of things that are being in. And in Colossians, they were being warned of these things. Beware of these things, lest they spoil you, lest they come in and corrupt you, because it's unbiblical philosophy, it's ungodly philosophy, and the traditions are of men, and it says that they're not after God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. We've seen this. We see this in our current churches where the strength of sin is the law. Where if you don't look like this and you don't sound like this and you don't do this, then you can't be right with God because only people who look like this and sound like this and sing like this are right with God. And that's a sad place to be because what we've gotten into is this tradition. I believe the church, the Independent Baptist Church, um, back in the 70s, were doing things the way that they were supposed to do them at that time. I believe there were standards put in place in the church at that time to protect the, the Christians, to protect the young Christians, to help them learn. There was a lot of association going on with different things back then. Uh, I think it, it, it got into the 80s as well and was still fine. But I think as, as, as society changed, I want to be careful what I say here, but as society changed, some of those standards were no longer relevant longer necessary Uh, they weren't set on biblical uh, standards necessarily built, built around biblical principle but for the things that were going on in the time Now I wasn't alive then and so I'm just going off of what I've been taught and what I've heard but I believe that as times carried on those standards have stayed the same yet because of societal changes they were no longer as necessary as they were at the time but yet what we've had is good preachers in the 70s saying this is important and we need to stand this way. It turned into the middle to the late 80s into the Bible and it wasn't the Bible. It was a standard that was put into place. And then into the 90s it carried on and to this day still in some places it is still being taught as Bible when in reality it was just good principles based off of biblical thought. Good principles to help protect people in the current time that they were in. And so what we've gotten into now is, is in 2019, a standard that was good in the 70s that is no longer necessary today is being taught as Bible truth when it is just, uh, in lack of a better term, tradition. And God says you shouldn't build your life around tradition. You should build it around the Bible and set your personal standards based off of what the Bible says and as it is related to you in this current day. Matthew 15, look in verse number 8. The Bible says, and we've preached on this a while back, it says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. It's exactly what I'm just talking about. He says, these people, they say the right things. They honor me with their lips, but their heart, it's far from me. Why? It's a result of vain worship and teaching four doctrines, what are simply commandments of men. So they're not teaching the doctrines of the Bible. They're teaching what their dads or their pastors or their previous, uh, their grandfathers or previous generation taught as doctrine, even though it was not. And now they continue to teach it as doctrine, even though it is not. And the problem that we have here is that this, this begins to carry over. And again, I think where it starts, oftentimes, where it starts is a good place, with a good heart, with a mindset of trying to help people. But as the decades go on, it gets mixed in with the Bible, and now it's being taught as Bible truth when the reality is you can't find it in the Bible anywhere. It's not that the, that the action itself is wrong. It's that the way it's being taught is wrong. When it's being taught, if you don't do this, excuse me, if you don't do this, then you're wrong with God. Well, I can't find that in the Bible anywhere. If you don't dress this way, then you cannot be right with God. You don't, that's not in the Bible. There are certain ways that you dress that are immodest, then, then sure you can't be right with God in that. <clears throat> there are ways that you dress that are improper. Sure, you can't be right with God in that which you're not finding in the Bible. You cannot find it in the Bible. And I've been told, and I've had verses used, and 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 even in my my simple brain, I I just say, wait, that's not what it says. And what we've gotten to is we're teaching in churches, and what are supposed to be Bible-preaching churches, we're teaching traditions instead of the Bible. I'm thankful for the churches I grew up in. There was really two churches that I grew up in. I was in one, the church that I was baptized in. I was saved at home but baptized at the church. And and I was there until about second grade. And then I was in another church from then until uh, until I was in college. I'm so thankful for for those churches and the pastors that I had and the things that they did and taught. You know, I grew up with uh, um, just assuming... That most adult men wore suits to church. It was never, uh, 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 from what I remember, taught from the pulpit. It very well may have. I was a kid and I wasn't always in the services in junior church or wherever, so maybe it was. Um, but I was always just kind of assumed that's just if you had a suit, you wore it to church. Um, but I've heard people, not in those churches, but I've heard people say, if a man who's a Christian is not wearing a suit in church, what's wrong with him? <laughs> I go, well, well, you know, maybe he doesn't have a suit. Maybe he can't afford a suit. Maybe he just really doesn't like suits. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe that's that simple. I don't like to wear suits. <clears throat> I, I personally do enjoy wearing suits uh, for whatever reason. Um, not all the time. If I had to wear them every day, I, I wouldn't like that. <laughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me. But nonetheless, and in college we had a rule um, where you had to wear a tie. Until I think it was two o'clock in the afternoon, and if you had classes after two, you still had to wear a tie until your classes were done. Uh, but you couldn't be like in the library or in the dining facility and things like that without a tie before two o'clock. And I never understood the rule; didn't understand why it was so important uh, to go to class wearing a tie. Uh, but it was a rule, and so that's what we did. And uh, you know, it wasn't taught as this is biblical. You know, if you're not wearing a tie, you're not godly. No, it was just, this is the rule, you're going to do it, and that was, that was the end of it. We asked uh, the president of the college, he came into our dorm and, and opened the, the, the floor and said, anybody have any questions about anything? He was expecting doctrinal questions, all he got was rules questions. Why is it this, and why is it that? And, why? and one of the questions brought up was tie. Why do we have to wear a tie? And it was very simple, because we say you have to wear a tie. <laughs> it was, that was it. Um, I've asked about rules before and ministries that I worked in or a ministry. I worked in I asked I was sitting with the president of the ministry and I said I said can I ask you why do we have this rule in place and He said to me and this is not what I expected from him, but he said to me my grandfather established the rule And we just have never changed it. I was expecting to hear Well, the Bible says and no it wasn't anything to do with that, and I respect that I don't agree necessarily but I respect the fact that it, that it didn't get over spiritualized. It was just very simple. This is just the rule we have in place, and that's where we need to be with things. There are people who say you need to wear a suit in church. Well, why? Because that's what I think. Well, if they say that, then okay, I don't agree with you, but that's fine. But if they say you got to wear a suit in church because the Bible says no, the Bible no, you wear a tunic to church. Uh, the, you're right. They say uh, women need to wear this. Why? Because that's what I think. Okay. That's a standard that I put in my home. Okay, that's fine. I I don't necessarily agree with it, but uh, that's fine. But when you say, no, the Bible says, no, it does not. Don't teach tradition for doctrine. God has given us the freedom from traditions. As he says here in verse 7 in Matthew 15, you hypocrites, well did Esaias uh, prophesy of you saying that you were going to do this, that you were going to please me with your actions, but not with your heart. That you were going to teach the commandments of men as doctrines of the Bible when it was not. And God says you have the freedom from that, Christian. You have the freedom from tradition. You ought not do anything simply because someone else tells you you should. And I mean that. You should be able to go to the Bible. We're all adults in the room today. You should be able to go to your Bible and read God's Word and use the principles of that he has given you to set standards in your life that are right by God. Now, we need to be respectful of other people's standards. If someone else has a higher standard or a different standard than us, be respectful of that. I grew up in a ministry where women should oh, were not allowed to wear pants. And I know that there were people who would come back to visit later on after they were no longer working there and the women would show up in pants. It's just disrespectful. You don't have to agree with it. But you have, you need to respect it. It's just, it's just kindness. It's just showing love. Um, it's godly to respect other people's standards. Be aware of it. But God says you're not tied down by the tradition. These folks were not tied down by the tradition. They should not have been tied down by the traditions of the Jews. They should have been living the way they were supposed to live. They had enough Bible, they had enough of the prophets, they had enough, they didn't have the New Testament yet, but they had enough of the Bible already written to set a standard in place that was, that was right and not confuse it with the traditions of the day. And what you find is the Pharisees that were living their lives throughout the New Testament, where you see many people uh, conflict, Jews that would get saved, they had conflict because they were always told, you were not allowed to do this. As they studied the Bible and as they heard the preaching of the, uh, the apostles and of the other men of God come through, they, they were all of a sudden realizing, wait, maybe it is okay. Then the Greeks began to get saved. And then the uh, Gentiles excuse me, began to get saved. And the Gentiles, well, they, were, they weren't Jews, so they didn't have the Jewish traditions. And now they were confused. Well, why am I not allowed to eat this? It's really good. Well, because the Jews said you can't. What do I care what the Jews say? I'm not a Jew. It began to cause conflict in the church. Why? Because there were some people that were following traditions instead of God. And we fall into this mentality still today where we have people who've grown up, and I grew up very conservative, and I still consider myself to be very conservative. There are some people who who don't think I am. Uh, And there are other people who think I'm way too conservative. But the point is, is that as I've gotten older, I've realized I'm allowed to look in the Bible And read it for myself and pray and ask God, what do you want for my life? What is right? There are things that I still follow to this day that I never prayed about in my life. Until finally one day I go, wait a second, I'm battling with this. All my friends are are doing this. Is is that okay? I've always told it wasn't okay. Is it okay? I don't know. What am I supposed to do? And I thought, I can just ask. (laughs) Pray and ask God, God, what do you want for my life? And he answered me. And it's that simple. I don't have to argue with anybody. I refuse to argue with people about standards. I don't think it's necessary. If you have a different standard than me, I don't care. If you don't like my standard, I don't care. You know why? Because I've prayed about it. I've set my standards by what I believe God wants for me, and I'm going to live my life that way. I'll try to be respectful of you, especially when I'm in your house or in your church. But but when I'm in my house and my church, if you don't like it, I really don't care. And that's a place that we can be in our lives. We can be confident in what God has for us and free from traditions. I've joked around a little bit about not wearing a tie. I don't wear a tie on Wednesday nights. Um, I once wrote a blog post, you know, those powerful blog posts of why you should wear a tie on Wednesday nights. And now I don't. Um, There you go. But uh, I've joked on Sunday mornings getting dressed. Hey, honey, what do you think this looks like without a tie? She goes, put a tie on. Okay, that solves that. Um, (laughs) I don't think it'd be the end of the world if I came in without a tie on. I really don't think it would be. Um, But at the end of the day, we do what we do based off what we believe God wants us to do. We don't follow just simply man's viewpoints or traditions. We're free from those traditions. We're free to do what God wants us to do. When people come to you teaching from... And you can insert any name, any author that's out there. So-and-so said this. Uh, I deal a lot with just in working um, and meeting a lot of different people. I hear a lot of the same names when we get into talking about the Bible or church or whatever. And, well, Joyce Meyer said, okay, show me from the Bible. Uh, I've got a lot of... uh, uh, acquaintances from, from college still. I don't really keep up with them other than just social media. And I see them posting all these things that this guy said and this guy did. I think I've told you before, but I, I once emailed a number of friends from college and asked them, how did you end up in, in, where you are um, with the standards that you have and, and the churches that you're in, and things like that. How did you get to that point from where your parents are or from where we were in college? And to a, to a, a 100% of them said, uh, it was different authors, but I read a book, and that's how I got to where I am now. That's not to say that they didn't pray, but they didn't mention prayer. It's not to say that they didn't study the Bible, but they didn't mention the Bible. To a T, they all said, this book was really helpful to me, could be helpful to you. Like, no, it's all right. Uh, for many reasons, I hate books. But nonetheless, uh, you can insert any author you want. It doesn't matter what he or she says. If the Bible is, is opposed to that, we ought to follow the Bible. Um, if people come to you with, with books and not the Bible, uh, not only be cautious, I would personally just flush it down the toilet. There's, there's too many people today that are setting their standards and setting their life off of what a book says that's not the Bible. And that's how we fall into the dangerous place we're in as a Christian society today, of so many people going so many different directions, doing so many different things because of of what someone else said. I think mentoring is important. I think it's great to have a mentor in your life. For me, it's my dad. But it's good to have a mentor, that someone that's older than you, that's been through life experiences that you haven't been through, that you can go to and talk with and, and get some counsel from. But again, today, sadly, many preachers that I know of are getting this counsel from guys and they're just going with it because that person says it's fine and it's good and it's worked for me. And that's just not what God desires for us. He says, I've given you the entire Bible. I've given you complete and full access to me. So use it. We are to get counsel. It's wise to do so. But base what you do off of the Bible. If you receive counsel, take that counsel and then take it to the Bible. Ask that person who's giving you counsel. Can you can you sh- next time? I appreciate your opinions and your help. But do you mind please bringing some Bible verses with you next time that match up with what you're saying? Or hey, that's wonderful advice. Thank you for that. I'm going to go back and study uh, that out in the Bible. Where can I find that at in the Bible? And if they go, uh. Say, okay, well, why don't we study it together? It never hurts. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Well, he is so caught up in this, and maybe it's, and maybe hopefully it's not been in your life, but but I've seen it in different places where you're not supposed to ask questions. Just do what you're told to do. Just do it because, because it was told to you that it was right, so just do it. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to open up the Bible and say, where did you see that at? Where is that at? Um, my wife had this with a person that came into work one day and was talking about something and and she said I've never heard that before can you show me just show me in the Bible where that is I'd like to study that out and uh, they came back a week later and said well I may have misunderstood uh, what the preacher said or whatever it was it didn't it wasn't in the Bible it's okay to ask those questions don't get caught up in traditions and what men use as doctrine use the Bible because you're free to do so. Number three, and lastly, not only are we free from sin and free from traditions, we also have freedom to obey. To obey God. Freedom is not without responsibility. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. This is important. This is where we get into where people start talking about liberty. Well, God's given us liberty so I can just do this and do this because of the liberty that I have. Well, Uh, Freedom is not without responsibility. Think of it as a country. Uh, Because we're free, we have responsibilities to stay that way. It it can't just be a free-for-all. There is responsibility that comes with it. Romans 6, look in verse 15. Uh, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are uh, to whom ye obey. "...whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness." So the question sometimes gets asked, if grace pardons all sin and I'm saved by grace, then does that mean I'm no longer obligated to be holy?" That's the And I would like to think if we have an ounce of common sense, we wouldn't ask this question. But if we do, let's look at it. If look at verse 18 again. Being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. So grace has given me freedom from sin, but I am now a servant of righteousness. I, am, I ought to do right. I ought to strive to do right. Verse 22, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. The fruit of salvation ought to be holiness, ought to be living right, ought to be doing right. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all matter Uh, manner of conversation in your life so you can't say well if grace has has given me freedom from sin if grace has forgiven my sin if grace has taken my sin well then i can do whatever i want it doesn't matter i have the liberty to do whatever i want god says no because you have been saved by grace you ought now to live holy because you're servants of righteousness and you ought to live in all manner of that which is holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's back in the Old Testament and repeated for us in the New Testament. Freedom is not without responsibility. We still have to fulfill, so to say, uh, God's will for our life. Do right, be right, uh, and help others to do the same. Not only that, freedom is not anarchy. It kind of goes in with with this as well. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Freedom is not anarchy, meaning there there are rules when it comes to freedom. And again, we can look at it, uh, the easiest form, we can look at it in in our country. We we lose our freedom if we get rid of the rules. Ultimately, that's the way it works. You've got to have things in place that that set the standard so that freedom can remain. Uh, Look in Galatians 5, verse 13. Uh, for, For brethren... Ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So that liberty is freedom from Jewish traditions, but it's not free to do what the flesh desires. We have liberty and freedom to obey, to obey God now. Before we were saved, we had the liberty to obey ourselves, to obey our flesh. To obey the world after salvation we are now free to obey god and to do what he desires for our lives freedom is not without responsibility it is not anarchy and lastly today still here in galatians five freedom demands discipline freedom demands discipline uh, galatians 5 look in verse 16 this i say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh Let me ask you, is it easy to walk in the Spirit? My answer would be no. It takes discipline. It takes dedication. It takes a right relationship with God. It takes me depending on God and not myself. It takes me waking up every morning and saying, today I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm not going to walk in the flesh. Throughout this week, As I've been working on this sermon and thinking on this sermon, there have been times, many, many times throughout this week where I've said to myself, Vince, you have the freedom to obey. You have the freedom from sin. You don't have to react that way. You're free to react the right way. It takes discipline. It takes understanding. It takes wisdom from God to do these things. And in Galatians 5, it says, Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then it goes on, till the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. It's an en- enemy against the Spirit. But if you be led of the Spirit, verse 18, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like... God says, you don't have to have those things in your life if you'll walk in the Spirit, but it's going to take discipline. And if you're disciplined, the Bible says in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. God says, this is what your life should be, but it's going to take discipline. Freedom demands discipline. That's why we can't live in a lawless society, because if murderers go unpunished, then we all suffer for it. Freedom demands discipline. In the Christian life, if you want to be free to do the things that God desires for you to do, it's going to take discipline. If your life is not characterized by love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, uh, gentleness, faith, uh, meekness, and temperance, then you're, you're missing something. God says we have a freedom. He says the truth, and we'll talk about the truth probably next week, the truth will set you free. The truth is God and the ways of God, the Bible if you know the Bible and if you know the ways of God it will give you great freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from traditions and freedom to obey. But freedom is not without responsibility. It is not anarchy and it demands discipline. Ask God to help you with these things. I don't know if for you this will help you the way it's helped me. But many times, I'm telling you more than I, than I wish to admit this week, because of these passages, I've been able to say, I'm free to not do this anymore. And that's part of the discipline. And it goes much further than that. But you're free from sin. You're free from tradition. Don't get caught up. Don't have anything in your life that the only reason you have it is because someone that was much, much older than you said this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm not saying that that means it's wrong, but find it in the Bible and live your life according to the Bible. You might have areas that you disagree with me on, and that is perfectly fine. Uh, We can have unity in spirit. We can have unity in, in goal, unity in principle even, and still disagree on some things. But at the end of the day... We don't have to sin anymore, so stop. (laughs) He's saying, well, it's not that easy. Is it not? If we live a disciplined life, a biblically disciplined life, it gets easier. But when we're loose on our discipline, we allow things into our life that are going to draw us away from God and draw us to that sin. So if we'll be disciplined, then it becomes much easier to say, I don't have to sin, so I'm not going to. We have freedom from sin, freedom from tradition, freedom to obey what God has put for you to do. So exercise your freedom. Lord, I pray for your help. We all have different struggles. We all have different things going on. We all deal with different kinds of people every day. But Lord, at the end of the day, this sermon is not about them, it's about us. And we've seen examples of other people throughout history that have done the right thing but with the wrong heart. And in doing the right thing with the wrong heart, that turned into the next generation doing the right thing with the wrong heart. Before long, no one knew what was right anymore because everyone was doing it with the wrong heart. God, you have given us freedom, freedom to sin no more. You've given us freedom from tradition, from just being ignorant and and listening to other people tell us what we're supposed to know when you've given it for us in our own Bibles that we can read and learn for ourselves. God, I pray that you'd help us to break free from sin. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to break free from tradition. And God, I pray that you'd help us to take advantage of the freedom we have to obey you. Lord, we understand it does not come without responsibility. We know there are rules. And, Lord, we also understand that it demands discipline. And, God, I pray that you would help us to, through your word and through our prayers with you, understand what you desire for our life and then, Lord, to stick with it, to follow you wholly. And, Lord, to teach people what the Bible says and stop sharing with people our opinions. And, God, I pray that you would draw us closer to you that we would know you better so that we can obey you more. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take great advantage of the freedoms that you've given us. Help us to break the chains of the things that have tied us down, whether it be sin, whether it be tradition, whether it be a lack of discipline. And God, I pray that you would again bring us to you. Lord, as you draw us closer to you, we know that we will have more of your wisdom, more of your knowledge, more of your power. And God, we know that will go great distances to help us. So Lord, today we place our dependence on you for the freedoms that we have so that we can use those freedoms to honor you in all that we do. I pray for each person here today, and if there's any area of their life that you've uh, uh, spoken to them about, Lord, I pray that you'd help them with that. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as, as friends, as, as, as church family, Lord, that we would always be encouraging and edifying and helping one another uh, to do right. Lord, as Christians in the workplace, I pray that you'd help us to be a lighthouse. Lord, an example that people can see the freedom that we have to live a life that brings true joy and true peace. And Lord, that just even just through our, our, the way that we do our jobs, that our coworkers will see there's something about them that I need. Lord, help us to be faithful and bold in proclaiming the gospel. Lord, you placed us in a country with great freedoms. God, may we take advantage of that. There are many countries who can't openly share the gospel as we can, so Lord, help us to do that faithfully. Help us in other areas that you've spoken to us about today, and God, we'll give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for what you do in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Thank you for your good attention this morning. Uh, We are going to break for lunch, and we'd love for